Today we're going to talk about some best practices for Twitter. Are you ready? Because it's time. Holy nuclear time bombs! Holy overeating! Holy roller coasters! It's time! It's time! It's time for the Lion Sidekick Podcast! <laughs> Hello, heroes. This is Tom Pounder, and you are listening to the YM Sidekick Podcast. This is the podcast where ministry leaders come on to talk about tools and tips and ideas on how to do ministry more effectively in this very digital and online world. And today I'm excited to have Ray DeArmas back on the podcast. Ray's been on the podcast before and he's a fantastic guest and I am so excited to talk to him about this specific topic. One is because he loves it just as much as I do, but then two is I don't talk about it very often. I talk about my love for Twitter, but I don't talk about practical steps for Twitter as much as I should. And Ray loves Twitter, and I love Twitter, so today he's the perfect guest to have on to talk about best practices for Twitter. How can you be using Twitter more effectively, whether you're an official minister or whether you're just a digital missionary looking to spread love and joy around the world? Ray and I talk about what you can be doing by looking at, honestly at what Ray is doing because I feel like Ray is a perfect example of how you can be using uh, Twitter for ministry purposes. So what is he doing and how is he doing it? We get into that today. So without any further ado, let's get in the conversation with Ray DeArmas to talk about best practices believers can have when using Twitter. All right, with me right now is Ray DeArmas. Ray, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks, Tom. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great myself. Uh, I'm glad that you're on the podcast with me today. Uh, People don't know that we've we've been talking for about like 15 minutes before we even started recording just to catching up on things. And so it's been nice. Uh, I I know background stuff of what's happening with Ray, uh, and he's been making a cool little transition in his life. So Ray, Mm -hmm. catch everyone up because the last time you were on the podcast, you were an online pastor, and now that has changed. Yeah, you know, God over the last few years have been moving in my life and the life of my family. And we had asked, hey, where would we like to be used next? And Miami is a very, very difficult city to do ministry in. And so the thought process of we knew that where we were at wasn't really working. And it's n- nothing against Christ Fellowship. They got their mission, their vision, they're reaching the city, they're reaching the world, they're doing great stuff. Um, but we knew that we were called to stay here but we knew that that was going to be a bit of a difficulty for those of you who aren't keeping up with Miami and far what's happening in our city. It's becoming more and more expensive to live. It's becoming more and more difficult for pastors to do life down here. And bivocational really is going to be the way of the future down here for most pastors. It is already. And so I felt called and led in a direction to kind of revisit some of my passions from the past. And so over the past few years, I started just on the side, just taking classes and seeing where my interest would take me. And I started refreshing my degree, which was in health sciences. So I went back and took some anatomy courses. I went back and did some stuff because I was like, man, I I really enjoy healthcare. I really can see a future here. And so I started doing that and I started shadowing people in the emergency room. Next thing you know, I'm applying for a physician assistant school. And then by God's grace, I got in. And uh, this may or may not be known, but you know, physician assistant right now is the number one job in the U.S. Like as far as jobs, yeah, job satisfaction projection, all this stuff. But the other thing is, is just that 
Um, it's the ability to work with patients. It's the ability to work with patients, especially for me in the ER. Uh, I love emergency room, you know, having shadowed there because there's so much going on every day. It's something new. It's something different. And especially right now with everything going on with COVID-19, we got a lot of healthcare workers that are coming out of things facing, facing PTSD with everything that happened in 2020. And now as we see the Delta variant rise 2021, a lot of healthcare workers are getting stressed out and really there's more and more of a need for people to work there and especially if people with a passion for people and what better place for the church to fill the gap than in the area that's of greatest need and so i really think that god's calling me here to be a minister in yeah. the er but through a different means and already i've seen the fruit of that amongst my class amongst different folks and i just wrapped my first semester this week which was really cool it's a very hard program, but I'm grateful to be part of it. And it's not without sacrifice because I can't work while I'm in the program. So we've been saving for the better part of a couple of years wow. and we're here doing the thing and it's awesome. It's crazy, but it's our adventure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, how long, how much more of a schooling do you have to do? Yeah. So in two years I wrap, I sit for licensing and I get to begin work immediately uh, for anybody to take me. And right now there's a lot of availability, which is good. So in two years, uh, or excuse me, over the next year, I'll be wrapping up what's known as my didactic year, which is basically medical school that compressed down into a oh. year and a half. Okay. Wow. And then after that, I have a year of clinicals in which I'll be doing different rotations and different specialties. And I can get an idea and a feel as for what kind of specialty I want to be in. I've already, you know, just notion going in. I, like I said, I love emergency medicine. So that's the direction I see myself going. Um, but you know, I also love cardiothoracic surgery. So we'll, we'll see where God ends up calling me. <laughs> That's cool. Ray, I don't know if you know this, but um, our the church I work at, we own a sports complex. And what cool. we what we do is that we we try to hire people um, with a ministry mindset. The, the mm -hmm. idea is that they, you know, we want them to be looking to see, hey, you have, may have this job as a front receptionist, front door receptionist, or a or a soccer coach or something like that. We want you to have the mindset of ministry. We want you to look for ministry opportunities. And what I see you doing right there with your PT stuff is that even though you're not a quote unquote minister, you are doing ministry and you, because you have that mindset to, that you love God and love other people. Right. And, and that's the thing. I think churches more and more need to equip the people sitting in the pews to, with the mindset. Rick Warren had said this for a long time, every member a minister. And the idea being that wherever we're called to, that's our mission field. You know, some of my heroes within this particular thing, I mean, you got to go old school. You got to think like Hudson Taylor. And for those of you who are unaware of who he is, he's the first missionary to China, but he's also a medical doctor. Now, mind you, back in the 1800s, doctors didn't have like the kind of pay and credential that they do now. But this is a guy that before anybody else went, decided that God was calling him to bring the gospel to China, packed up his whole family and went there, preached the gospel, was honored there upon burial. I mean, this guy is legendary in their country. You know, you're talking about a country that's consumed and owned by communism, but also that the gospel is thriving there in the midst of all this, you know, hardship. And this is somebody who was called into that kind of thing. And so who knows where God can take me. And the reality of it is, is when we do things that are practically, it doesn't matter where you're at, right? Like whether it's medicine in my case, or if you're a lawyer and you can help out with people with immigration or help out people with hardship, if you're a social worker, or even if you're a carpenter or, or, or somebody that's in construction or anything, God can use those gifts and he can open up doors so that those who are around, and then, you know, we always think of this as, oh, how can I serve those with less than I do? You'd be surprised how many people who have more 
than you do, or how many people have about the same as you do, will be inspired by the gospel just by you using your gifts to serve others. I mean, it really does. Generosity breeds generosity, and it does inspire others to be generous. Dude, that's awesome. That's so encouraging. And um, I, I love what you're talking about here. And, and I, I can't wait to see how this all plays out for you. And again, one of the ways I get to see how this plays out for you is that you you document a lot of stuff on Twitter. And um, so while we could talk about PT and stuff like that uh, for a while, I want to talk about Twitter because I love what you do on Twitter. Okay. One is I don't talk about it enough on my podcast, uh, even though I, I love Twitter. But I love what you're doing on Twitter, uh, and I see you every day. You're very active. You respond to people. Um, I see you respond to all sorts of people. You're sharing stuff from uh, all, all walks of life and uh, all, all different people doing all different things. And I, I just love the encouragement that you get. I actually look for your tweets every single day to see what you're tweeting about because it inspires Thanks, encourages me. So I, I love it. So talk to me about Twitter and why, why you love working with Twitter to start things off. Thanks, Tom. Uh, you know, Twitter for me is my favorite platform and that may surprise a lot of people. Um, but for me, it's my favorite just for a lot of different reasons that we'll talk about in a few moments. But, uh, but to me, it's just a lot of fun. Twitter is just about conversation. And I think that's something that's kind of lost on us, especially in the area of social media where so many of us get locked into echo chambers. You kind of have to do your work to make sure that you don't get stuck in an echo chamber. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by echo chambers is, is, is if you are just following people and just, you know, working with people that think the exact same way that you do on every particular topic on politics, on religion, on all this stuff, thinking that, oh man, I'm getting smarter. I'm getting more informed. You're not. And that's kind of the sad part, you know, in terms of what we're working with in 2020. Uh, so often, and some of this comes back through the fact that I grew up, Tom, in a bit of the Christian bubble. You know, I, I grew up, you know, in Christian school and, and the Christian school that I went to when I was a kid kind of grew up with that mindset of, oh man, you know, we want to separate ourselves from people who aren't believers, you know, for fear that they might infect us in some kind of way with their thought process. Yeah. And as I got older, I started to notice that some of my friends who were going to Christian school weren't Christian. <laughs> and that mindset only drew them, drove them further and further away from Jesus because it, it almost made it seem like Christianity is this cult that can't hang with anybody else in the thought in the thought sphere. We can't work with anybody else and we can't necessarily, that there's no nuance to conversations that it's just black or white. And truth be told, there's a lot of nuance in our conversations that we should be willing to have openness to, that we shouldn't play things as if they're a team sport and we should be willing to talk with individuals. And I actually think that goes back to the days of the apostle Paul and even Jesus. They had no problem conversing with people who didn't think like them, yeah. but they didn't sit around in echo chambers because if not, Paul would have never become a follower of Jesus. He would have stayed a Pharisee. Yeah. And so that, th those are some things that I love about Twitter that we have the capability of doing, but we got to do it intentionally. So, yeah. Well, I, I love what you're saying there because I, I completely agree with you on that. I follow a variety of different people. Um, and again, I'll even tweet out, a, a, I'll even tweet out stuff that like from news publications that I find interesting that uh, that maybe some people don't agree with me on, and I'm okay with that because again, I'm trying to to broaden the subject on things. But I love like my I have two daughters in college now, and you know I went to a Christian college, um, and I saw the exact same thing you saw. I went to a public high school and I loved it, but then I went to a Christian college, but I saw a lot of 
Christians who were not Christians at the school. And I went to a lot of Bible studies for people who didn't want to be there. And so what I said with my girls as they were going off to college, I'm like, I want you to look at public schools. I want you to look at non-Christian schools because I want you to converse with a bunch of people and get a wide variety of perspectives. But then when I when you go to church and when you go to Bible studies, you're going to go to church with kids who really want to go to church, not because they're mandated to go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I love that uh, stuff on that. Um, yeah. And I, you know, go, go ahead. You want to say No, I, Tom, Tom, I think that's great because that kind of intentionality reminds people that there are those around them who are lost. And if we get too much in sync into our echo chamber, then we're going to think everybody around us is a Christian and everybody around us thinks like we do. And that's part of what led to these culture wars that we're in the midst of, yeah. you know, in 2021, uh, I wish many folks would just walk across the street and just talk to their neighbor. You'd yeah. be surprised. And especially like the city that I live in, Miami is very distrusting of their neighbors, but 2020 undid a lot of that because we had nowhere to go. (laughs) So there were a lot of people for the first time meeting their neighbors and talking with the people around them and learning, oh, not everybody thinks the way that I do. Not everybody sees things from my perspective. And as a result, uh, we can be in conversation with people and learn from them. And so I think that's very important. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. Um, so, okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty of what you do with Twitter. Tell me your thoughts about Twitter and why it's your favorite uh, platform. Okay. Yeah, so Twitter is yeah, Twitter's made for conversation, um, but you need a separate strategy for, for Twitter than from every other platform. Um, and the reason I say that is because Facebook and Instagram are both owned by Facebook. And as such, I I don't don't know if a lot of people really understand all the implications of that. You know, a lot of people know that practically like, oh, Facebook's buying up, you know, Instagram and they bought WhatsApp, they bought all this other stuff. But Facebook's goal is to sell ads at the end of the day. Facebook is not interested in your political argument. They're not really interested in taking your side. They're interested in selling ads. (laughs) And as such, they are going to do whatever it takes to get, you know, you and your followers and other people to fall down the algorithm. And so you know, you need a separate strategy for those platforms because they work a lot more like billboards. And so they're great for brand for brands. Yeah. Wonderful for brands, bad for personalities, wonderful for brands. Twitter is flip-flop. Twitter is wonderful for personalities, bad for brands. Yeah. Twitter is all about like who you are and how you can have conversation and some of your ideas and some of your thought processes and conversing with a lot of different people. And you know, that does not work so well for brands. Why? Because brands are just continuing to try to push their content out there and trying to sell themselves. But Twitter's made for conversation and brands don't always have great conversation out there. And so what I would advise is, hey, Facebook and Instagram, that's great for your church. Twitter is great for your pastor as far as like having conversation out there and making sure that you're taking part of the greater sphere of conversation. So yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I agree with you completely. Like, uh, and I've actually talked to a few other people, um, ministers as well. And they say the same thing that they've said to you again about how we don't know what to do with Twitter for our church perspective. And I'm like, you're right. It's it's hard as a quote unquote brand or a church to, to do something. But as a uh, I like to use the term digital missionary, you know, you're mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to interact with people and share the love of Jesus because I think people respond to people. They don't respond to brands. Now, unless you're like Wendy's or something like that, where you do something funny and, you know, you roast some people. But the reality is people respond to people. And I, I think that's where Twitter really has the edge. 
Right. And, but this is the interesting thing about Wendy's, right? First of all, like the name is an individual, it's Wendy, you know, so they're trying to get you to like, think that you're, you know, you're interacting with the sassy redhead, you know, in pictures. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, The, the other thing is that they're showing more personality than anything else. They're not just tweeting out, Hey, get a four for four, you know, today they're trying to relate it as much as possible, which is, you know, really the big thing that a lot of people need to recognize is that personality matters way more than brand. Mm. on Twitter. Whereas, you know, Instagram, it's all about the brand. Instagram, you know, it's all about branding. And, and listen, nobody asked for this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it churches. uh, Y'all are putting out way too many videos that look the same on Instagram, like when it comes to your preaching videos, all of you are doing the same thing, elevation, the VU and all these other folks. And I don't know who I'm looking at when I'm out there, because I'm not seeing you come through. I'm seeing all those other churches, but Twitter, especially, you can't get away with that. You kind of have to be you. So on Twitter, it really has to be personality over brand and that, and, and mind you for good or for bad, you know, um, that can get you in a lot of trouble in some respects, but the other thing is, and this is what I've told some churches, including my former church CF, you know, you don't have to be on Twitter. Like (laughs) I think it's like less than 3% of the population is actually on Twitter. So for a lot of people to go there to say, well, you know, this is what people are thinking about a subject. No, that's not necessarily the case. This is what people are interacting about. This is what kind of conversations they're having, but this is that's the fun of Twitter. Twitter, I wouldn't say is like a thought leader process. It's more of a place of a, a place to learn and to converse. Yeah. So if you treat it as such, that's gonna be great. If you're trying to treat it as a promotional tool, eh, you, you get mixed results. Yes. No, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And we've kind of scaled back what we do on Twitter for our church in particular, uh, even though I love to use, utilize it personally myself, so that, that's awesome. Uh, what what else do you got? Like as you're as you're going through your process, what do you like to do when you get on Twitter? I love to have conversations about live events, about things that are going on in the moment, and you kind of have to because Twitter moves fast. I mean, it moves at the speed of light. Commenting on an event that happened three or four days ago doesn't work for Twitter. <laughs> it really doesn't. You kind of have to work with things in the moment, and so you know, recently we had the whole thing that happened this past week with the Olympics where Simone Biles decided to step down. That created a slew of conversation and a lot of different pieces of the aisle. And so the one thing that you have to be careful about is number one, you need to think with nuance. Mm. There's nuance in almost every piece of conversation. Yeah. And so, if, you know, yeah, and, and people love hot takes on Twitter, but hot takes is bad for ministers. I'll tell you right now, like playing to a side or just jumping all the way on something without having a whole lot of context is dangerous for you because you will get screenshot yeah. and it will come back to you. Yep. A lot of people don't like that, but that's, that's the reality of what happens. Oh, if I delete a tweet, it's gone forever. Mm, not necessarily. Someone, like yeah, many people probably screenshotted that before you deleted it. That's right. Right. And this is something that will make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't like it because you know, they, they're, they're like, oh, but you know, I deleted that tweet or, oh man, you know, deletion should be forever. But when it comes to the internet, that's not the case. And that's always been a warning that I've given to young people, but now I've got to give that same warning to older generations as well, is that everything, you know, we talk about like, Hey, at the end of time, every word that we give, we're going to have to give an account. There's some of that that's going on in the present <laughs> that Every word we say, there's no idle word. We're going to have to give an account to that. And we have to give an account both to our congregations, but also to like the greater public as well when you put it out there like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the the hot takes are, are definitely not something good for ministers. And that's why I like what you've talked about. Again, it's just going in there and listening to people and just seeing what people are talking about. 
And I, I like to be able to, to like something. I like to be able to comment on something simple. But again, I think there are a lot of things that I write and I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't hit send on this. I have oh, the drafts. Yeah. And so it goes in the draft or it does something else. And I rephrase it in such a way because again, I, I view, really view Twitter as an opportunity for me to, to learn from other people and to share insights that are encouraging and helpful to people rather than to be the guy known as the hot take guy. I mean, we all know the pastors out there that are the hot take people and that constantly get bombarded with, with a bunch of stuff. So I, I like to be very neutral as I'm going on, but listening and trying to be a part of the conversation and see what happens out of that. Yeah. And I think that depends on what your goal is as far as a social platform is concerned. You know, some people want to be the agitators. They want to be the people who create more conversation and, and in doing so by taking a lot of hot takes and this kind of thing. But that for me is a dangerous place for a minister as a gospel to be. You know, I mean, we're not talking about taking a stand for Jesus here. We're talking about taking a stand on what you think about a halter top or what you think about, you know, a, an event that happened at the Grammys. Not everything needs our conversation and not everything needs our comment. And so sometimes before you hit send on that tweet, you might want to stop and think like there are times where I've even had my wife like preview a tweet and said, hey, should I send this? Yeah. Just because I don't want to throw away my influence and oh ray but you know that, that's cowardice or it's wisdom you know you read the book of proverbs there's a lot in there about wisdom and there's a lot in there about making sure that you don't just spout off your mouth and just say whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind a lot of people think that that's what twitter is for or that's what social media is for and it's really not it's it's not a good place to also work out your thoughts some people have told me this when they've tweeted stuff that really had no nuance or no thought process or no concern for the people that they might be hurting oh i'm just working through this process out loud this is not the place to do that. Yeah. This is not the place to like work out your thoughts. You want to work out your thoughts, go for a walk. <laughs> don't, don't sit there on Twitter and start tweeting about every idle detail in terms of what you think and, and what's going on. And oh man, but what if these powers are behind these decisions and this kind of thing? It, it really comes across worse and it perpetuates worse things. If there are things that are on your mind or whatever else, Twitter is not a good psychiatrist. It's not a good therapist. It's not any of those things. Twitter is a place to interact with others, but you have to be conscientious in how you're doing so and who can be affected by the words that you're saying. And so, you know, folks may or may not like that, but that's why I try to be a positive force on Twitter for the most part. You know, um, I try not to be a source for negativity a whole lot of time. And I try not to be a source for politics, you know, I, um, not because, oh man, I don't think that my political views matter. I do think they matter, but I think they matter to me. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to change anybody else's mind on Twitter. I'm either going to further the echo chamber or I'm going to agitate others, but not a lot of people will learn from those things or interact well on them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I've actually, um, back to your coward comment, I've actually had someone call me a coward for not speaking the, the, tr the truth in, you know, and I'm like, that's, that's not how I operate. You know, again, I have political views, but like you said, they're my political views. And as I've had discussions with my own children on this, um, uh, just about what, what we believe as a family. And I said, guys, we're in the business of the pounder family. You know, we're, this is our business and this is what we, we are dealing with. Again, people don't need to hear every little opinion that you have on something they just don't need and especially on social media they don't need to hear all that i like how you said they don't need to be your thought processing right now like you know while you're working through stuff write it down on a piece of paper write it down for something for you to process through with your family but 
again, it's just, we get in so much trouble and we don't need to uh, on it. Um, and I, I, I like what you were talking about. And I think what you said about um, uh, you don't need to be posting about this, this or that. I think not, especially as a minister, and this is one of the things I really liked about you too, is that you, you don't always post all things spiritual. Like I think sometimes we have to, as ministers, you have to always post the Bible verse and always post the, the religious thought or something like that. No, but one of the things I really, I think, drew me closer to you and what you do on Twitter is that you, I could relate to a lot of the stuff you were sharing about sports, about Ted Lasso, about right. Marvel comics and stuff like that. Like I could relate to you. And that was a huge thing. I think that's a, the beauty of what you do. Well, thanks, Tom. I mean, and, and it's the same thing with, with you. We're not one dimensional people. And yeah. so if your social media is one dimensional, then really you need to reconsider like it's time to evaluate your personality like if you're if you and and i had to think about that at once upon a time too because once upon a time all i was doing was pushing out like things that i was doing as a campus pastor like church stuff and oh i'm just going to use this as like a promotional platform and even i got bored i was like man i don't talk about anything else i feel like just a salesman out here and part of that came from the fact that there are friends that i that i have that um were in the multi-level marketing world the you know the herbal lives or the you know, the essential oils and everything that they would put out was about the product that they were selling, but I didn't follow them on social media to get sold on anything. I followed them on social media to find out what was going on in their life to yeah. find out, you know, Hey man, I, yeah, I want all the goofy pictures of your kids. And yeah, I want the picture of your dog. And sure. I want your crazy takes on the Miami heat, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, arguing back and forth over contract issues and this kind of thing. That to me is kind of the fun of social media is having, conversations about things that don't matter I hate to say it like that like i you know i love getting in debates on you know how bad dc movies have been and how james gunn is going to save the entire thing right now uh you know hot take so anyways it, it's 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 one of those things where i mean look at me i'm wearing a spider-man shirt you know right here on the zoom it's we are multi-dimensional people and it's okay to be multi-dimensional out there on social media i like a lot of different things and i can talk about the things that i like and talk about them with other people yeah. and and that's part of the fun is we get to be multidimensional people and think about this think about like how things have evolved since i've been on twitter when i started on twitter i was a seminary student then i became then i was working for apple then i was working for christ fellowship you know as a as a physical campus pastor actually first as a small groups guy and i got involved in like small groups twitter then i became you know campus pastor guy and, and i got involved more in the city and how the city runs and then I became online guy and I got involved in that. And now I'm going into the medical field. So you can kind of see how the horizons are expanding over and over and over again. And now I get to be part of a lot of different conversations, but I get to be a minister of the gospel no matter where I go. Mm. So, you know, this is a conversation. I think you and I have had this conversation before, Tom. Comic book Twitter needs geeks who love Jesus. Yeah. Like there's a lot of lost people there. Mm -hmm. And they, and you know, it's crazy. They embrace story. They embrace narrative. The gospel's for them. Yeah. But with, without the presence there, like without people there in conversation who are in the know, how are those people going to be reached? Somebody needs to be a digital missionary in that area. Same thing in sports, Twitter, NBA is fun. It's awesome. It's full of nuanced conversation. There's a lot of fun things. People talk about it as a progressive sport, but there's so much, so it, it's really not, there's so much about it that's actually held back, but because it's right now, it's becoming one of our more popular sports and it's a global game. There's a lot of conversation to be had there. I mean, look at this NBA 
you know, Twitter doesn't get to stop this year because of the Olympics. And it's a lot of fun in terms of the conversation that you get to have with that. And now we're in the middle of the draft. The, the conversation yesterday was hilarious. Yeah. But that's the other thing is, is you got to have fun with this stuff. To me, Twitter is fun because of the jokes. I, I you know, my <laughs> wife's not on Twitter. And, and every now and again, like, I'll just send her a tweet. I'll be like, look at this. This is yeah. funny as heck. And you got to have fun because there's all sorts of jokes that are out there that you get to participate in or that you get to partake in. And why not have fun with it? Because so much, and especially in these last few years, so much of life is so serious and it's so hard that if you can't go somewhere and have fun, then really what's the purpose of being on it? You know, to me, Twitter is a lot, of, it's it's a lot like our digital cheers. You know, for those of you who are fans of the old 80 show cheers, you know, where, where everybody cheers. knows your yeah. name. Yeah, I love cheers. I, you know, I grew up with Sam Malone and Diane and and Norm and, and Fraser and all of them and and you know, I have so much fun with that. God, I can't forget Cliff Clavin. I'm sorry. Uh, so there's, uh, to me, there's fun conversations to be had, you know, in some of these areas. And part of where you get to have these fun, nonsensical conversations, which was with the fun of Cheers. Like Cheers, when you go back and watch Cheers, I, who would have thought that this would have become a Cheers podcast? But if you go back <laughs> and you watch Cheers, okay, you see that every day they would go to the bar and they would just talk about something meaningless, but they would keep coming back to the bar. Why? Because they had, they had people there that they could relate to. They had people there that they could talk to. Yeah. And the, this is what we do with Twitter now. This is what we do with social media. Yeah. And so go there, have some fun, have some conversation, share some jokes, make fun of each other, have fun with it, and then walk away with it. You know, Jeff Reed and I, we have a lot of fun on Twitter. And recently I had a lot of fun with him because he shared a podcast that we did together talking about my PA stuff. And I called him a coward because he didn't tag me in it. And he deserves it. But that's part of the fun that we have with this stuff is that social media is meant to meant to be a place of jokes. It's meant to be a place of fun. And so if we treat it as something that's a little too serious or whatever else, then really we're going to hate it. We're not going to like it. And it's going to be a source of stress for us. Social media is a source of stress for you. Delete the app. Go for a walk. If it's a place of fun, then keep having fun. Well, you can have as much fun as you want with Twitter. We we know that. Um, and again, if you follow people like Ray and Jeff Reed, uh, you will have lots of fun um, in uh, in following that. I will share. I got to share a quick little Cheers story since uh, you brought up Cheers. Is that uh, my dad always had a strict bedtime for us. Um, you know, um, we were always to be in bed at nine o'clock uh, every day. No matter in high school. My again, this is back in the day. I mean, my my parents had some strict rules for us, but the night of cheers, we were allowed to watch cheers and then go to bed. So we all watched cheers together, my brothers and my dad and I, and then we went, uh, we went to bed. And so that was kind of fun. Uh, my mom always rolled her eyes at it, but my dad and my brothers and I, we, we love cheers. So that's really cool. No, I, I mean, I, I still love cheers. And, you know, for those of you who, who aren't in the know, go back and watch cheers. And then you got to watch the the spinoff in Frasier, yeah. you know, and you've got like maybe a good, for those of you who are looking for something to watch, you got like a full summer right there because it's like 20 years worth of sitcom right there. Two very successful sitcoms back to back. I mean, mm -hmm. how many spinoffs like uh, Frasier do you get? You don't get many spinoffs like that. And so you don't. Um, you don't. But they created a compelling character. And really, this is the, one of the things that I always cited and talking to my wife about it. Um, Lilith is like one of the sneaky MVPs of Cheers. And that, that kind of continuation continued on. I think it, it just takes some brilliant writers to figure it out in terms of what you can get out of stuff. And, it, you know, we could have a conversation forever and a day about Ted Lasso. Maybe we'll have to have a follow conversation about that because Bill Lawrence to me is kind of in that same vein. 
Yeah. And uh, and the direction that he's headed is kind of going to be in the same direction as those who went before him in writing Cheers and Frasier. So he, he's Bill, Bill Lawrence is brilliant. I mean, he did Scrubs. I mean, I love Scrubs. I mean, that was a fantastic show. Um, All right. We're getting a little sidetracked and we're, we're going to run out of time here a little bit. But um, I love see. This is why I like having conversations with Ray. Um, uh, he's much younger than I am, but yet he, he can relate to everything I deal with. And so, um, Hey, uh, as we kind of wrap up, Ray, what are some other, like, would you characterize as some best practices or bullet points that you would say about Twitter that you want to encourage people with? Yeah. So I'm going to go back over some of the ones that we kind of mentioned, but, but I'm going to kind of bullet point them out. Number one, you have to have a separate strategy for each platform. Number two, on Twitter, personality over brand. Number three, don't say something that you'll later regret, okay? <laughs> don't. Number four, do get involved in live events that you have something you know to talk about and have fun with. And, and then number five, the last one is to have fun. Like you, you gotta have fun with this kind of stuff um, because Twitter is a good place you know, to just have fun in conversation. Don't be afraid to converse with others either if you have questions. This is a great place to kind of converse with and meet the people that create the things that you love. <laughs> that's kind of the cool thing is that you have access, you know, um, for better or worse. And I'm going to throw out a member of NBA Twitter, you know, that may or may not be right, but he's getting knocked around and he deserves it is um, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has more interactions with his fans on Twitter than he does in a game. And some of it is he attacks his critics and that kind of stuff. But who would ever thought that you would have access to an athlete like that? Yeah. Now that's not just Kevin Durant. Like, you know, we mentioned Bill Lawrence earlier. Bill Lawrence is very active on Twitter and he does respond to fans and even responds to critics of Ted Lasso. Like he doesn't treat it like an echo chamber either. He tries to have conversations with people on, you know, something that he's created. And there are a lot of others as well. Um, you know, so make sure and leverage this as like a point of conversation. Use it as a place to like celebrate people. Use it as a place to have conversations with people. And then for those of you who are kind of new in some of these digital spaces, use it as a place to learn, you know, ask questions of the people you're learning from. Like, you know, if you listen to the podcast and you've not reached out to Tom on Twitter, reach out to him, reach out to him, you know, at him, you know, talk about, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And Tom, I hate to throw you out there. Maybe I'll throw myself out there. All right. If there's things that I'm saying that you disagree with at me on Twitter, you know, like talk to me about it. Me like, Ray, I thought that you were completely wrong. That Twitter is a great place for brands. Awesome. Tell me why. You know, maybe I'm not looking at the right brands. You know, the brands that I follow are some of the big ones. And so when I look at Nike, Apple, when I look at Disney, when I look at some of those other stuff, they're more active on some of the other platforms because they know that they want to be a billboard more than a conversationalist versus, you know, kind of like what Tom mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Wendy's is trying to show their personality on Twitter. And so, you know, if you have conversations that you want to be part of, Twitter is the place to do it. Instagram yeah. is not a good place. Like I see people commenting on Instagram posts as if they're hoping to get a response back. And I'm like, you're not going to get a response, bro, because this platform ain't built well for that. Mm -hmm. But if you go on Twitter, uh, Twitter is a great place to do this. But do not, <laughs> it's a lot, this is another piece of advice that I would give, and maybe this will be a closer. Do not use Twitter only as the place to complain about the restaurant. Uh, if you do it, because I, I get it, like a lot of folks, you know, oh man, I want to be the guy who complains on social media that gets some kind of redemption from a brand or something like that. So I'm going to put them out there because they did me dirty. If you're just known as that guy, then that's going to be a bit of a problem. You got to, you, you know, um, what is it? I've seen business studies talk about, you know, you got to, you got to have seven positive statements for every one negative. <laughs> and, you know, so don't just be the person who goes on Twitter to complain. Yep. be there to, to share things, to celebrate things, to have some fun with stuff and to be part of live active conversation. Because 
I love, and it's so hard to do this in today's day and age. And I think sports does this better than anything else. When the whole world stops to watch one thing, you know, we, Tom and I talked about cheers earlier. Some of you kids won't believe this, but there was a point in time in American history where you had to stop on one day of the week at one time to watch a television show. It was the only time it was on. You couldn't DVR it. You couldn't watch it on demand. You couldn't do any of that stuff. It was must-see TV on NBC at Thursday. And that was it. If you missed it, you missed it. You couldn't even catch a rerun. Twitter has the power to bring all those people together for certain events, which is why sports is so powerful on Twitter, because live and in the moment, you get to have active conversations, almost as if you're sitting around the couch with other people while you're watching it. Yeah, that is fun. I I, lo- I agree. I completely agree with all what you said. And I will say I've had interactions with celebrities on Twitter because I've added them, you know, and I, you know, I, I, with Michael Bolton, now they may not care about Michael Bolton, but I mean, I, I posted a picture about Michael Bolton. It's one of my favorite stories to share about that. I posted a picture of him on a music video he did in the eighties. And I'm like, remember the time when Michael Bolton, not Michael Bolton, I'm sorry, Richard Marks, when Richard oh, yes. Marks had great hair and he replied to Still me. Does. Still does, still do, bro. And I'm like, that's the one of the things I, I've tweeted a few different people. Bill Lawrence actually responded to me uh, during the first like two episodes of um, uh, uh, Ted Lasso, the first season. Like uh-huh. I said, I, I said something like I went in with really low expectations for Ted Lasso and I was blown away. And he responded with some funny thing saying, that's what we go for. Low expectations. <laughs> you know, it's something really funny. But these guys do respond. And, um, and again, Ray will respond. I'll respond if you ever have questions with us. Uh, we're, we're happy to respond. It's, it's the joy of, of Twitter. Yeah, and that's the fun part of those conversations. You know, Twitter isn't necessarily about following what your family's doing. It's about having conversations with people that, you know, you never thought you'd have conversations with. And mind you, that's how Tom and I met, <laughs> you know. And so now i got a friend, you know, that that lives miles and miles away from me, you know, because we have these great interactions and we have these, you know, common areas of interest that we get to have some fun with. And that's how a lot of relationships are built. And even now, and this is what's interesting in the new era of content development, I see a lot of deals going down that all started on Twitter, a lot of interactions, you know, some of my favorite authors or podcast hosts interacting with larger influencers or larger, you know, people with larger audiences. And then the next thing you know, it creates a lot of collaboration between the two. Yeah. So, you know, for those of you who are like, man, I'd love to, you know, climb to this level within this specific sphere or whatever else, Twitter is a great place to do it. Maybe better than LinkedIn, because you get to have conversation with people live and in the moment and support one another and share with one another and build on top of conversations. It really is a fascinating place to be part of. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like I said, if depending on it, like if you're a doom scroller, don't go to Twitter because it's a, a good place to doom scroll. Like if if you are, yeah, like if, if you are looking for negativity in the world and if you're looking for negativity in your life, depending on what rabbit hole you fall down, you could end up there. So you got to be very careful with how you leverage the platform, how you use it. And you want to make sure and do whatever you can, especially for those of you who are followers of Jesus to perpetuate as much of the gospel out there and as much goodness out there in the world, because there's enough negativity going on. Yep. I agree. I completely agree. So, well, Ray, this has been awesome. It's been great having you on. I love talking Twitter. I could probably talk for hours with you about Twitter uh, because we, uh, yeah, but I love it. And that's why I wanted you on. So, well, as we wrap up real quick, uh, share with everyone your Twitter handle. I'll include it in the show notes, but share everyone the Twitter handle. 
Sure, it's at R-E-Y-D-E-A-R-M-A-S, at Ray Diarmas. Uh, you can follow me there. Um, I, I always joke around about it. I always throw my name out there just because I, I, I think it was Ron Swanson uh, who talked about um, uh, he had received an anonymous letter in one of the episodes of Parks and Rec. And he said, what kind of a coward would send somebody without writing their name on it? And so from the, you know, that, that was inspirational for me. I, I had already like been using my name as my, as my brand, but I was like, you know what, more and more people need to stop hiding behind, uh, you know, unknown things and just kind of be willing to be out there and be themselves and stand for what they say. So, yeah. So follow my name and, uh, I stand by what I say for the most part, but I'm not above <laughs> apologizing for anything I say that's out of line. So it, it's awesome. Well, uh, again, follow him. You'll, you'll, uh, you will not regret it. So that'd be great. <laughs> All right, Ray. Well, thanks, man. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Tom. Same to you. All right, so there you have it, my conversation with Ray. It was great talking to him. And again, just to reflect on the fact that he referenced Cheers. I mean, that's just a show that I grew up watching that probably I shouldn't have been watching back in the day, but my dad let me watch anyways. And Ray referenced that. Again, that's just that's just the all-around nature of Ray that he, he encompasses so much. He knows so much. Uh, but I love what he had to share uh, on the interview. So I would love to hear from you. What do you think uh, about what Ray had to share? What stood out to you? What challenged you? What encouraged you? What questions do you have? I would love to you know, carry this conversation on. And I know Ray would too. So I'm going to include all his links uh, in, uh, in the show notes. So um, definitely when you reply here, let's reply on Twitter and let's talk about this on Twitter and see what we can be doing some more. So hit up Ray, hit up myself, and let's continue this conversation on Twitter. All right, heroes, well, that wraps it up for another episode of the YM Sidekick Podcast. Thanks so much for uh, joining me and being a part of this. Again, if you liked it, definitely go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to it. Uh, you can easily do that there. Or you can just go to ymsidekick.com where I've got all my content, the blogs, the ebooks on Twitter, the um, other ebooks that I have, the information about Digital Bootcamp, the free Facebook group for all ministers to learn digital tools and trends that are happening around the world and how they apply into our ministry context. You can also see the Digital and 5 show there. So just go to ymsidekick.com and get all the content there and start stepping in to see how much more digital progress you can continue to make in this very digital and online world. All right, here is why I hope you have a great rest of your day, a great rest of the week. And until next time, have a great one.